Ocean FM Donegal Plumbing and Heating Old Lahey Road Donegal Town Suppliers of underfloor heating packages Aluminium radiators Samson and Daikin Air to water heat pumps And all your renewable needs And sponsors of the Donegal GAA Podcast It's just fabulous to see him alive and up and picking her up The thing about the club is you don't choose your club <laughs> um, it's, it's like family. You want to get back out on the field. It's just uh, it's, it's in your blood, I suppose. And just want to get out there now and get the games going again. Brian Murray, let me shake hands with you. You come in here hobbling. How are you feeling now? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I tell you nothing but a couple of pints won't do. I'll tell you. You know. He gets a bit behind it. He launches it in. It's over the bar. The wee man from Chester. You're all very welcome to the show, the Donegal GA podcast on Ocean FM. Conor Breslin here, coming to you with this week's preview episode. A big thanks, as always, to our sponsors, Donegal Plumbing and Heating, Old Lahey Road, Donegal Town. Well, after a week's long rest, the National Football League is back as we enter round three. This Sunday, Donegal will travel to Clonus to take on the Farney men and throw in for that game is at 1.45, where we will have live commentary on Ocean FM. Well, for the minute, Monaghan legend Dick Clerkin and sports writer for the Irish Independent, Michael Verney, join me on the line. Gents, how are we keeping Good colour. Is, 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 is Michael an the legend at this stage as well? Def- most definitely that. not, Dick. Most definitely so. not. I think so. I think you, you can hold your own. <laughs> I, th- I think you're coming into the realm of uh, two podcast legends at this stage uh, all over the national airwaves. <laughs> Journeyman, Dick, ca- Journeyman Dick called me, so listen, I'll take it. It's, it's good to well, have you well, there's, there's an old saying, what seldom is wonderful as well, so I'm not sure to be careful to <laughs> overexposure. Well, it's always good to have you, lads, and uh, a lot of talking points. Um, starting coming into round three now. Look, Michael, we knew the importance of the league at this time of year with a huge emphasis that the league plays in the championship. Um, we knew it would make for a real open season, and it's been that way so, so far. There's still no real shape. Um in essence, to how the teams have come, you know, people have called Ross Common that yo-yo team. They're sitting top of the league. Donegal were flying against Kerry and then fell to her own. So, you know, we we still have an inconsistent league, but it's an exciting one nonetheless. Yeah, it's been a mad first two rounds. Uh, like I don't think many people would have predicted having only won two of their previous, uh, the previous eighteen Division One games that came before that. Roscommon have already doubled that tally in their first two games under a new manager. And, you know, if they get result against Armagh at the weekend, uh, particularly if they were able to get a win, they're probably looking at, you know, safety, which is, you know, you wouldn't have predicted beforehand. Uh, from a Donegal point of view, like, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think it's, you know, wrong to say that there probably wasn't too much optimism maybe going into the league. And then you get this huge result uh, the first day against Kerry and optimism is, is a bit higher and then maybe they got a bit of a leveller the last day probably against Tyrone when you know Tyrone were probably dominant that day so it's and Kerry bounced back obviously against Monaghan uh, in week two after Monaghan you know going down real narrowly to, to Armagh the first day out so it's definitely an intriguing league yeah without a doubt and uh, it, it's only really starting to take shape now and teams will be happy they probably got a good a good week 10 days work under their belt and their uh, it's full steam ahead for this weekend. Yeah, is there a correlation, Dick, between the home games making it harder for away teams to get a victory 
you know, on top of that, we have new managers trying to find their feet, they're experimenting, new players, new systems, also in horrendous conditions that usually fall at the start of the year. And of course, the biggest talking point is the injuries. We've now come to the conclusion of the Sigerson Cup, so it's uh, full steam ahead. Yeah, I think you'd be you'd be on dodgy ground trying to make too many sweeping assessments on where certain teams are because of all those factors. As you say, there's so much goes into play at the results. You know, you have certain teams like Kerry, for example, they're only playing of half a hand at the minute, really. So you can't judge them. Um, Monaghan as well. It, it unfortunately for us is probably a reflection. We're probably just at that level now, but equally we're missing a few key players that could sort of you know help us. But but yet we're probably sliding down. Roscommon, Armagh, yeah, they're probably teams, young teams wanting to take the opportunity to stare and 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 get off to a good start, and they've they've, they've got that. Um, but I think the big thing, and I touched on this with with other podcasts and and, and columns at the minute. I think there's a leveling out of the overall, you know, uh, competitive landscape. You know, Kerry, other than the mighty David Clifford, take him and a couple of other starlets out. You know, they're very much back into the pack, and and I think that's sort of bearing out. And and I wouldn't be surprised if that will sort of play out right through the rest of the Division One campaign, and it could really go down to the last day in terms of before you're deciding who makes the. The league final who gets relegated and that's sort of the way it's sort of already set out yeah deck it can be um you can be uh, going down dangerous roads if you're already making you know the early assumption on who's going to be relegated but unfortunately people throughout the the country are doing that and uh apparently a lot of people are writing that this is the relegation playoff this sunday monaghan and donegal they're talking about these two teams being in transition and a dire need for points particularly monaghan who don't have any yet yeah, uh, listen, we're we're under no illusions here. If we if we don't pick up points, um, on on Sunday, it it's 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 going to be very challenging. Like that means you have to go to either Galway, um, Mayo, or possibly picking up points then against Throne at home. And and like I think you're going to at least at least five points, possibly even six, and a decent scoring difference to be really sure that you won't um be relegated this year. So you know, Monon. Just it's a, it's a must-win game, you know. You, you don't like to just use that sort of an old tired term, but I think really it is a case, and it's a winnable game for Monaghan. You know, I think Donegal probably you know benefited from a sort of a let's be honest, not to be unfair to the Donegal listeners, a, a second-string Kerry team traveling the length and breadth of the country on a dirty day in in Valley Buffet, which is which is never any easy feat, and 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 got the win. But probably the 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 throne game was maybe a realization of where that Donegal panel is uh, post Michael Murphy. You know, there's there's there's, there's unfortunate noises around Paddy McBrearty. So if, if there's no Paddy McBrearty coming down to Clonus on uh, Sunday, you know, Mullen have to be looking at that uh, for a, for a must win game. Yeah, just for the listeners, if you're picking up your national newspapers today. Uh, team captain, Donegal team captain Paddy McBurty is said to be injured, is said to be missing. Now, Donegal manager Paddy Carr has played down them injury fears. Michael, from a neutral point of view, where do we see Monaghan and Donegal at this current state of time? Is it worrying for these two Ulster teams? 
just on, on Paddy Carr's comments, it, it was so non-committal in a couple of yeah. days before a game that the medical team were going to assess him. Like, I'm sure he's been well assessed. The injury was over 10 days ago. Um, I'd say if he's out, he just doesn't want to say that he's out and at least leave Monaghan thinking and maybe not have uh, people around Donegal maybe going into the the weekend with a, a glass half empty approach um, it's a fascinating game this weekend both teams are yeah you'd have to say like when Donegal lose a player of Michael Murphy's calibre and such a it's such a protracted uh, process to get a new manager in place you'd imagine potentially that they're behind the eight ball and maybe a couple of players haven't committed and Ryan McHugh is still out with, with no return in sight as well and then you know what you'd have to tip the hat to Vinnie Corey for for taking the Monaghan job as well, because, you know, again, they were one of the three Division One counties, themselves, Donegal and Roscommon, where, you know, it didn't look like there was a load of people putting their hand up necessarily for the job, and they've got one of their own. He hasn't, you know, you know, thought about, oh, is this good timing or is this bad timing to take on Monaghan? Like, realistically, it's probably not great timing, because, you know, Colin Walsh, and, uh, Colin Walsh has stepped aside, Drew Wiley has stepped aside, Conor McManus is a year older. It looks like, you know, that team that was ultra competitive at Division One level is coming towards maybe the end of that cycle, but he's just come in and he's going to do a job. And, you know, this, I, th- I know it's early in the year, but this is a, a massive game for both. If Monaghan can get two points on the board at the weekend, all of a sudden, maybe they go to they go play Roscommon, maybe they can get points on the board there as well. They've, they've done a few Houdini acts to save their Division One bacon a few times. And I'm sure, you know, they'll be trying to do that again if they can get points on the board at the weekend. And, you know, if they end up, you know, come five o'clock Sunday, you know, they're on two points, Donegal are on two points. I think they'd be maybe more optimistic of getting points thereafter in the remainder of the league. So while it is only round three, I think it's a huge game because you just, you don't want, there's almost like a domino effect of a couple of bad results and being, you know, relegated from Division One and the ramifications potentially that that could have going into the championship and then going into next year and when you're trying to develop a squad and whatever. So, yeah, it's a huge game for both. It's that, you know, in, in soccer terms, it'd be a relegation six-pointer. In football terms, it's a relegation four-pointer. And both teams really need to get results. Yeah, no, I would completely concur with that. I mean, Dick, when, you know, real credit must go to this Monon team. I think, that, you know, they're one of the longest-serving teams in the top division. Um, you know, they McManus is, is he 36 years of age now? I mean, really pushing on his career. As Michael said, you know, Niall Kearns, McInesby, they're gone. Jack McCarron is out. You know, they have a lot of players missing. And they still scored 14 points against Kerry. Having said that, that did come late in the match when the game was probably dead and buried. I know they're trying to change their system away from the McEnany era and the Malachi O'Rourke era. But... It does seem like that golden generation of Monaghan players has kind of gone past them at this stage. Yeah, and, and I think you have to be sort of fair to to, to Vinny and, and Monaghan in general. Like, funny, I was over in England there for a few days, and I was at a few hours to kill in Manchester, and I and I was beside Old Trafford, and I'd never been into the museum, and I just took a wee walk in to kill an hour, and and, and you know, it was interesting reading their timeline. From the Busby Baby era, the best, you know, and then they took a big fall off as that yeah. team went. And then they came back again with Ferguson and now they went down again and they start like it it's such a common trend in, in a lot of sports teams that they go through that. You, and and the G is no different. You look at, at Kerry in the eighties, you know, Kerry in the noughties took the 
you know, when 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 you have a, a group of players that that come along and form the sort of the spine of a team and, and the leadership of the team, you know, they're locked in for the best part of ten years. And and in Monaghan and Donegal, you've sort of had that. And you know, it it's very difficult to maintain that level because the players coming behind just don't get the game time. They don't get the experience because you know you've got the, all these bed blockers really. You know, growing old and, and holding positions, and it's very difficult. Very few managers get it right in terms of transitioning the old with the new. That you don't have that slip. Um, Dublin probably are probably the best to have done it. Um, and and he was quite. You remember how quite ruthless Gavin was in in phasing out the Bernard Brogans, the the Michael Darmacallies, all these guys that probably were sitting not happy, but on the bench and not getting game time. The Philly McMahons. But it was the right thing because it got those young younger players coming through in at the right time that they didn't get phased out or maybe walk away from a panel, which you see happening a lot. If you don't get a young talent in, the next Michael Murphy, the next Conor McMahon, as he says, hell with this, I'm away. I'm not sitting on the bench and, and looking at these old fellas walking around. I can't get a game there. So it is a very challenging thing for teams to do. And, you know, Monaghan doesn't have because of our tight resources, we just don't have, you know, this groundswell of talent coming through. So it's it's very easy to hold on to the the Manzies and the Darrens and the Drews and the Walters and, and the Dick Clerkins and the Paul Finleys in the past. But that can come at a cost because sometimes and, and I think that a lot of the guys coming through now, there's just a lot of maybe inexperience there. And these guys just have to be given time and, and maybe a break out of division one, unfortunately, if it does come, hopefully not, we'll fight and for every point that's going. But if it, if it is a bit of rebuilding done for these boys to get a bit of game time, a bit of experience in Division 2, so be it. And, and Donegal are probably in a similar vein too, Connor. It's funny, Connor, what Dick says there. It's almost like a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, so Maliki in particular would have wanted to be unbelievably competitive at Division 1 level and in Ulster and beyond. And to do that, you know, you, you, you do, you have to pout probably 13 or 14 your best 15 most days and a byproduct of that can be that you know a couple of the emerging talents maybe that just aren't ready but the way to get them ready would be to put them in but you kind of need to get the results on the given day as well so it's a kind of a fine balancing act and we we i i would say and, and i've always struggled with this if someone asked me were, were Monon better off over the last sort of 10 15 years Fighting really hard, like you say, Michael, to to either get promoted or retain your Division One status, and to do that, you're putting out pretty much your best fifteen available every Sunday, which in a lot of times was near enough the same 15, 16, 17 players. And but but what cost did that have in championship time? You know, you know, you're you're balancing the experience of of cutting your teeth at Division One versus not developing your bench. Not even even the workload, even spreading the workload over a panel of 20, 25, as opposed to the same 15, 16 players that then comes the summertime, they're maybe not as fresh. They're a wee bit tired. They're picking up injuries. That balance, I used to think, no, be Division 1. I'm, I'm not so sure now at times Monaghan haven't. I think Monaghan underachieved the championship level for the talent that we've had when you look back over the 10, 15 years that we would have been better off some years sort of spreading the workload and peaking a championship time, and I think you know that's that's that 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 probably is 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 is, is something that we probably would reflect on now. Is that a real risk as well, though? When you go down to Division Two, I mean, a lot of teams think when they go down there, if they were Division One, it's not easy to get out of, uh, particularly at this stage. 
It, it's not, but you have to be. You have to have confidence in your own skin that you're not. You're not. If you wanted to be Division One and put your best fifteen out, you could be. Do you know what I mean? Like there's lots of things like 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 uh, June McGuinness. I think I'm right in saying that they won. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Out of Division Two. Yeah. Um. Because he went knew, down like, in twenty. Knew. They went down in twenty thirteen and came back up in twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah. If you think you think back then, if you remember Connor, like he basically discounted the McKenna Cup, didn't involve any of the players, basically played his his C string in the McKenna Cup. Uh, the league, whatever the league was, the league was just played. And if they won, the one. If they didn't, they didn't. Didn't really care. It was all about getting peak fitness and peak championship ready time. And you know, you look back at his era. It's it's about winning the All Ireland. It's about contesting All Ireland finals. It's about, it's about peaking to beat Dublin. In that All Ireland semi final, who cares about what they've done in the league? You know, where sometimes the Monaghans and the, and the other counties maybe put a wee bit too much store in the league because you know they think they need to be up there as opposed to saying you know no, we we there's a bigger 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 panels. It just happens easier. The bigger counties, the carries the drums because they can still compete in Division One with you know resting a lot of players. Other counties can't, and uh, it can can come at, come at a cost. So it's it's a tricky one, you know. And with that, Michael, there seems to be last point on Monaghan, but there seems to be a change in the way they want to play their their style of play. I think if you went back over the last decade, maybe with Monaghan, you know, Tyrone, Armagh have swept away from that so-called style of Ulster football. You know, Monaghan playing a very defensive system like Donegal did, like Tyrone did. Armagh did it for a long time. I think they're pushing on. But Monaghan are trying to push away from that system, it seems, under this new regime. I mean, against Kerry the last day, you know, they really went all out in the attack. I think if it went back down to maybe the inexperience caught them, they went short on the kickouts and went all out on the attacking front. When Kerry went for the short kickouts, Monaghan probably just didn't have that intelligence to squeeze the kickouts like Kerry did to Monaghan. There just seems to be that little bit of know-how and experience at the top level at the minute with this team. Ah, uh, yeah. When you're changing your approach or changing your style, there's always going to be some teething problems, particularly as Dick says there, when there's a lot of new faces coming in. And if you're, you know, if you're changing a style, like I would think of someone like Park Joyce in Galway who came in with, you know, the best notions in the world of playing all out, you know, free-flowing, attacking, sweeping kind of football. And then you kind of realise that didn't, didn't Mayo fill at them in a, in a league game just after COVID. And he was right. like, you know, you're back in your box almost and you're thinking, OK, I want to play this way going forward, but I want to be really solid at the back as well. And that takes a bit of time. And um, I, 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 Colin O'Rourke has obviously stepped into, out of the punditry chair and into the, the managerial arena as well. And I'd imagine he has very fanciful notions of how he wants me to play. But what that actually looks like in reality after you get a few eye-openers is a different thing altogether. So, yeah, Monaghan probably got a, a couple of eye-openers against Kerry the last day. Um, but you're you're learning on the job, basically, as I said, with new faces and a new style. So there's definitely going to be teething problems. That's, that's essentially what the league is for, really, to uh, go in and give uh, blood new players, test your squad depth, unearth new players, and if you're changing your style of play or altering your style of play, that's where you'll get all your, you know, you learn in defeat or you learn in victory or whatever it is. So, yeah, there, there are going to be a few eye-openers and uh, it was definitely an eye-opener in the second half, the last day against Kerry. Did you pick up anything on that, Dick, from down in, down in Kerry the last day? Yeah, and, and I think the reality is against the, the best teams in Division 1, it is a, is a cruel and ruthless place to be experimenting and learning because, you know, 
mistakes are, are punished ruthlessly, you know, and no more so with that uh, Paulie Clifford goal. You know, they'd probably push the high line. They were sort of saying, right, we're going to go for this. We're behind the game. Like, are we, are we, are we down here just to have a sort of a, an honourable defeat? Are we going to have a cut at this and try and pull it back and compete and go at them? You know, to do that when you're chasing the game away from home, you've you got to push, you've got to get men up the field over possession and just that quality or have a player of that ability to Hey, Nick, you surely would have met, met him in the middle of the park would you with well, a shoulder? Well, a lot, well, well, let's just say I was a bit horrified that any player you know, there's their ways and means of, uh, of preventing scores like that, let's let's be honest with you um, but, but at the same time, like there was literally bloody no modern players I think there was two, it wasn't as if he had to actually run past or run through but certainly no player in this day and age should be able to run the length of a pitch like that. You just sort of say, right, if he flicks it over to somebody else and he sticks it in the back of the net, grand, fine, but but don't let that happen. And that's probably a little bit of uh, naivety and inexperience in modern part. There's somebody there just didn't say, well, hold on a minute here, party. You're not just countering up and sticking the ball in net. You're not doing that to us. Somebody, as you said, some, so, <laughs> somebody should have met him, you know. Yeah. But that, that's learning. And I have no, I have no doubt, you know, um, Monaghan boys would look at that and say, "Well, if you're going to push a line, and if you are caught, you have to have, you have to have a safety net. Someone has to sort of either make that hard run or basically say, let's let's prevent, concede a point, concede a free. If you're able to concede the yellow, concede the yellow. Like you know, you're allowed, you're not allowed. What I used to always say, well, you're allowed one yellow card. They don't send you off for one yellow card. So if you're able to take it, take it. There's times you have to, you have to take one for the team and." You know, you, you got to be ruthless if you're going to compete with the big boys. You, you got to be ruthless and, and make those calls. So, but again, that's been learned. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not adverse to the boys pushing up because I do think Monaghan have lost games and left games get behind them over the years by being far too conservative, got far too lateral, far too ponderous, and, and the need to be able to try and and you know get easier scores and move the ball quicker. So, you know, let let, let if nothing else from the league, they might be a wee bit better prepped come championship time by doing that. Just yeah. last one on that, Connor. Like that will not happen again. When something like that happens and it's highlighted, and Paddy Clifford's goal is, you know, one of the great goals or whatever, and you just see everything that you did wrong in it. Like that's like that's like a a punch in the face to realize. Okay, we need to, you know, rejig what we're doing here. Like the Dubs always had after twenty fourteen, Keanu Sullivan was always that safety blanket, uh, or Johnny Cooper was the safety blanket, or whoever it was. It only takes one harsh lesson, and if that's what the league is from on in to realize, okay, we want to do this, but we have to have the balance with what we're going to do in defence. That was a serious eye opener for them, and I, I'd hazard a guess and say I, I wouldn't see anything like that happening again, where a player is going to just slalom through their the middle of the field again like that unopposed. And and yeah. it's not all negative either. Like there there is a doggedness to Monaghan, and I don't I don't know who the favourites are coming into this game on Sunday, but you know the, people are saying that if Monaghan lose this, they are going to be relegated. There there's nothing saying that Monaghan could come out and batter Donegal out of Clonus. I mean, we saw Donegal last week against Tyrone, and they're a pale shadow of their former selves, and re- it's really coming to view now post Michael Murphy area era of where they're at. Maybe we got a little bit too far ahead of ourselves after the Kerry victory. Maybe it's coming into realization that we're at, at that transition as well. Yeah. This is a hard game to predict because you're not really, you're not really, I'm not sure what we've seen from both so far. I'm not sure what we're going to see at the weekend. I think personnel wise, like, It'll only be five minutes before throwing or ten minutes before throwing when you see who's actually lined up on the pitch that you'll have a kind of a greater idea as well. But 
yeah, like Donegal are in uh, definitely in a state of transition. You'd have to say again, we're talking about like the how long it took for Paddy Carr to be in place. Like they have to be a bit behind the eight ball in terms of uh, conditioning work that they have done as well. And I know they were kind of flying high after that result against Kerry the first day, but they were brought back to reality the last day. That's probably a greater gauge maybe on where they are at the moment. And at the end of the day, you're trying to you know, overcome the loss of, you know, it's probably one of Donegal, you know, probably Donegal's greatest player of all time. And forget about what he did on the pitch. Um, It's more like the loss from the dressing room and the lot, potentially the loss of standards. Like he just seemed to set standards unbelievably high of himself and of others. And you just don't know uh, how many lads are going to carry that on. You don't know whether there'll be a drop off in that with Murphy leaving. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's. I'd be following Donegal very, very closely, and I, I didn't think before the league started, I struggled to see where they're going to pick up points. This weekend is a huge one for them, and if they don't pick up points this weekend, I think, yeah, I think they're right in the middle of a relegation fight. And and I know this is a. <laughs> I don't want to be starting starting rows in Donegal, but I'm I'm sort of reading between the lines, Connor. That you know the more. You hear, and, and and you guys up there are very good at keeping keeping your 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 your, your issues to yourselves. That That's part. why we had Paddy that, Carr playing down the injury there last uh, night. Yeah, but even even go back to Michael Murphy, I'm, I'm I'm not sure everything was just sort of you know good in the background there how that came about. And you hear different, even just some some commentary post games and different things that it wasn't a, it didn't have to happen that Michael Murphy retired, but he did, and he made that choice and. And you know the whole issue now with with Carl Lacey and the academy is is there is there is there issues there possibly, um, and that that would be a concern. Like there's, there's a lot of things in any one year you don't want to happen in terms of well, it's very hard to fill a managerial role. That doesn't generally give a good reflection of what's going on behind the scenes when your top experienced players are choosing not to go forward. That's not a good thing when you have this going on ahead with with Carl Lacey and the academy. So, so it, it, there's there's signs that there's 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 a bit of bit of bit of bit of issues there in Donegal football at large, and they'll be very anxious now, right? Well, that if that starts to to manifest itself on the pitch, you know, game in game out, as you say, that that's going to be a concern, and and the throne game was very much a test a, a taster of, of that. So they'll they'll want to say, well, listen, guys, we, we we can't have another one of these. We have to get a performance, but. You know, as I say, they'll 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 they, they, so the, is there stuff going on up there that's that's starting to come out on the pitch? You know, the signs are there, but, but hopefully not. You know, but they've, they've had a long a long time of a lot of success and a lot of pressure and effort from a lot of people. You know, and that that does take its toll after a while. And and when you have a change up and a change of guard, that can take it to take a while a bit in. So you have to be fair to Paddy Carr and these people that are putting themselves forward. And they should be given an opportunity to get the best of what's there, you know. Just for the listeners, it's been over a week now, just coming up to a week where the academy coaches, it's not quite 40. I think there's 40 coaches involved. Not all have officially left from what we're hearing. Uh, they have left the academy in support of uh, Carl Lacey, who was head of the academy. And basically in their statement, they said that they've they've lost confidence in, in the county board. Uh, there has been no statement released yet by the county board, even though um, the podcast here did try and make contact, but there was no reply. And uh, it was just uh, said today on Donegal Live that Donegal GA is in one of the most critical crossroads in its history. 
between this spat that we really don't know an awful lot about. We're, we're speculating. Michael, you know probably better than anyone that what this can do to a county, you've seen it an awfully. It's not needed. No, I was actually involved, would you believe, in that Hurling Review Committee that was working um, in tandem with the county board at the time. And, you know, Liam Hogan was chairing it and there was some, I only came in towards the tail end of it, but there was some brilliant work being done. And I don't know what the situation is in Donegal, but everything that we were doing was just been, it was just falling on deaf ears at, at board level. And there was, you know, the, with the greatest will in the world, it was just a complete lack of communication. Um, from th- from their side, and it you know it ended up in the review committee resigning and probably knocked back, you know, under a turning an awfully a bit, and it's only kind of the wheel is only really turning now. But you know when you you really when you have a real kind of clash of styles almost at board level, with you need to have people who are uh, who are open to change, I suppose, and open to improvement. And the way I would always put it, the way it was in Offaly. Uh, until probably Michael Dignan took over was, uh, and this might sound a bit harsh, but I think there was people steering the ship that would have been happier to be steering the ship and seeing it sink than watching the ship uh, sailing smoothly from ashore, if you get me. And uh, I don't exactly know the situation in in Donegal, but just reading a bit of uh, Declan Bonner's column uh, the other day, and he just obviously calling for Carol to come back um, and for people to support him. But you do not know the potential misery that he's been put through with trying to you know the absence of communication feel like he's banging his you know banging his head off the wall trying to you know uh, get change in the county and make things progressive and build it going forward and I think from a county board's point of view I always think it's better to come out and say something and try and you know direct the story in a certain way they obviously have a a story to tell or a view to give and I think you're always better to give it. Well, that's a good point, Michael, because uh, like there's stories coming out. We don't know if they're true or not. They're saying it's down to, you know, finance, that they, they weren't supported financially. Now, I do know Lacey cited a lack of support from the county board. Whatever that lack of support may be, we don't know. But you think when a week goes on and you're the county board and you're being accused of certain things, you'd be, hold on a minute, and you come out and defend yourself. It's not good that they're staying quiet and almost trying to to push it aside one person compared it to nearly like the all-ireland club final that look we know what's wrong we know what's not right but forget about it and it'll be over in a few weeks but that's not really the way you should address these things no there's an information vacuum there at the moment as well and when there's an information vacuum people will make up their own mind and stories grow legs and different things you know you know yourself that's the way it is and you hear things on the ground and there could be a degree of truth to them but you don't you just don't really know so I personally like maybe it's just my journalistic background you'd like them to come out and say x y or z and give their side of the story it doesn't have to be some big long two-page statement you know a couple of hundred words given their side of the story or even like we're we're sad to see carol gore whatever do you know what i mean thanks a million for his work and all like that but we're not the best at doing dealing with those type of situations in the ga but from knowing from what happened in offley and how like that almost a rot set in at every level you know, as a result of that and games that were being lost in the pitch, it's almost like, oh, did you see Offaly were beaten today and sure they don't have a hurling committee and sure the whole thing is in disarray. It all snowballs and get worse and worse. So I think that situation needs to be nipped in the bud fairly quickly. And like at the end of the day, at the moment, 
outside of the minors in the 20s, am I right in saying that there's no underage activity going on with yeah. Donegal development squads? So, like, that's all right for a week or two. But if a week or two turns into a couple of months and, you know, how you have to go and reassemble all those squads, reassemble potential managers, coaches, essentially S&C, everything with it, that's a, that's a difficult process. And if there's a, a sense of apathy within the county and a lot of support for Carol Lacey, they could struggle to do that. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, Donegal players, the future talent coming through, have been left behind for a couple of months, and you know it's, it might only, it might say it's only a couple of months or whatever. But you know, it's just the habits that these guys get into at underage level to get them ready potentially to play adult football, be it a club or county. And uh, yeah, that situation just needs to be sorted asap. Yeah, last point on it. You obviously had many battles with Carl down through the years. He's a out and out professional, both on and off the field. And the word was that he brought such high standards to this academy. We can understand if the head of the academy walks away, people walk away all the time. It's a loss, but you move on. But when plus 30 coaches are walking with you, it's not good. Yeah, listen, not to cast aspersions or or make, but at the end of the day, we're here to give an opinion and and add to the commentary. As you say, they haven't helped themselves up there in, in so far as you've left this vacuum, as Michael says, so so what what happens in that? People like ourselves and people in the pubs and at the games, the weekends, will come up with their own versions of well, what's the root cause of all of this? So here, for 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 what it's worth, it sounds to me that I'd be amazed if there is money behind this. If there isn't a money issue, there always generally is. You know, at the end of the day, these these people are employed. There, it, it's a job, it's a contract, it's not a voluntary role. Okay, so that's not straightforward. That's one thing I've had a bit of experience. I was involved with. Development squads last year, I'm involved with a, a development committee in Monaghan as well. This is something that a lot of counties, and, and you touched on it, Michael, as well, are grappling with in terms of trying to put structures together, financing structures to, to both recruit, retain, and pay talent from a coaching point of view in the counties. That is not an easy task. And you'll find that you know that a lot of counties are struggling with that. Um, and obviously Donegal are probably well, not probably they are having that. So is money at the back of this? I would say arguably yes. Does Carl want more than the Donegal County Board are willing to finance or possibly are able to finance? And this is often a mismatch as well. Very easy to point all the blame here, maybe the Donegal County Board. Yeah. It's not always that case either. You know, at the end of the day, money has to be raised. You can't keep going flying across the, the, the Atlantic and draining the swamp over there in terms of money to pay everybody. You have to have a sustainable structure there in terms of the pay. You know, do the numbers. 20, I think, is it, is it 20, Connor, there, thereabouts, um, full-time coaches? Uh, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, roughly that. I think there's more, to be honest with you. Even even twenty, do the maths in your head at a basic, you know, salary. Like you're you're talking, you don't have much change out of three quarters of a million, um, to keep that going. Like that is no mean feat for any county to try and finance that level of employment. So these things aren't simple, and and I I would say that probably is because, and and it's disappointing to hear because when I was, you know, we actually heard what. Charlotte, they were trying to do in Donegal in terms of, 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 of integrating with the schools, trying to get coaches in in all of the schools. Because obviously Donegal is such a bloody big county. You have to try and do things a wee bit differently to try and get all your talent. You know, going in, get strength and conditioning programs, going in at the schools, using those um, platforms to get contact time. That all in itself is quite complex. It's not like you have a, a 
you know, premiership team. It has a training academy, all everything is just centralized around there and it's all structured. You know, I can imagine it's an absolutely logistical nightmare in Donegal to try and efficiently run what they're trying to do up there. So they're not Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah. should there not be, though, when whoever goes to apply for that job as head of the academy, there's immediate communication of how much money you want or how much money that's willing yeah. to be given out? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we don't know. And and we don't know, is there a is there a lack of alignment in that? You know, this is what you're saying, though, for Kyle, these are the parameters that you can work in, you know, and, and he doesn't want to do that. He's coming looking for more, expecting that just to be handed down. That could be the case, or it could be the case he was made promises in terms of what his team would get, what he could expect um, in terms of support. He's not getting that. We don't know. All we can do is speculate. From my experience in dealing with these things, both in football and at work, you'll generally find it's somewhere in the middle. It's not so. It's not one extreme or the other. There's a wee bit on both sides that this hasn't worked. All I would say is Donegal, the people up there need to get around the table. They need to solve this in-house. It shouldn't be up to us to be speculating because that doesn't do anybody any good. You know, Carl doesn't deserve for us to be talking about him in this manner, nor do the Donegal County Board because at the end of the day, Carl's employed. A lot of the people in the County Board are not there voluntary. So there's that aspect to it as well. So should you get into the room, try and sort it out because, as you say, having this vacuum now into the middle of February and you don't have development squads up and running, that, that that's not a good place to be. You know, whatever about this before Christmas when nobody's really training, this is this is the time that you should be really getting up and running. Yeah, and I just want to again emphasize that these aren't facts. We are merely speculating yeah, absolutely. the, the yeah. stories that are going around Donegal and going around the GA community. Yeah. There's been nothing said from either side yet. We are just addressing the stories on the podcast here, just in case anyone thinks we are stating facts. We're merely just uh, trying to get to the bottom of it. Last question, lads, and we'll start with you, Michael. Donegal Monaghan, who's going to win on Sunday? <laughs> That's the come back to me about five minutes before throwing. Um, I I think Monaghan might just get the job done, just about. Uh, I don't yeah. think it'll be a classic. But I think Monaghan might just, probably Monaghan by a score. Okay, yeah. Dick. I think you yeah. might be going around the same lines, but we'll get. Yeah, I, I am. I, I just looked at the. I'm not going to name the the the, the betting organisation. We don't want to be. Definitely uh, don't. They don't deserve it. They don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't. And uh, Monaghan are just slight favourites, which is okay, interesting. Very very encouraging to see. I'd say just home advantage, if nothing else, is probably tipping the hat there. But Monaghan have a good record against Donegal in the league over the last while and McKenna Cup, so they're probably even. With the ex- inexperience that's there, the, those modern players won't have any fear of playing that Donegal team because for a lot of them, they've, they've beaten them over the last couple of years. So they, they'll fancy their chances. Um, the two-week break will have done Monaghan well. Hoping maybe we might see a few of the more experienced players feature at some stage. Might be a bit soon for Jack McCarn. Like to see, my, I think Darren Hughes was available in Kerry. We could definitely do with his bit of physicality and experience at some stage. Connor, I'm not sure where Connor is um, either. But listen, on that basis, I'm just going to give the tip of the tip of the hat to to Monaghan. But as you say, no more than three points. Okay, so it's a two-one vote for Monaghan. I'll obviously tip my hat for Donny. You have to, you'd be out of the job. I, I, I have to. I wouldn't be here next week. But as we said, uh, so we, we we'll see. Remember that match is on Sunday, one forty-five in Clonus. My thanks always to Dick Clerken, Monaghan legend, and I'll call him an awfully legend as well. Sports writer go, with Mike. the Irish Independent, Michael Verney. Lads, thanks so much for your time and for joining me on the Donegal GA podcast.
All right, cheers, cheers. Thanks very much. Take care. And that's the end of our show. My thanks to Dick Clerkin and Michael Verney, sports writer with the Irish Independent. Remember, Donegal travelled Clonus this Sunday to face the Farney men, Monaghan, and throw-in for that game is at 1.45. We will have live commentary on Ocean FM from Paddy McGill. But for the moment, I'm Conor Breslin. Thank you all for listening in the high numbers over the past number of weeks. Big thanks to our sponsors, Donegal Plumbing and Heating, O'Lahey Road, Donegal Town. Thanks, of course, to Austin O'Callaghan for throwing out the show in such rapid time. And once again, to you, the listeners. I'll be back next week for another preview edition of the Donegal GA podcast. But until then, take care and bye for now.